Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For many, being outdoors provides our body with much-needed rest. Research shows that sitting outside can reduce blood pressure, lower heart rates, and decrease cortisol levels. When we're outside, our body slows down, helping us feel peaceful and calm. Our mind works in a similar way. Spending time outside improves moods and reduces the feeling of anxiety. We can focus better in nature, and our improved concentration can help us address feelings of stress and anxiety. Self-esteem can also receive a boost after time spent wandering around outside. But for us here on Coffee and Cases, we sometimes know that walking on remote trails can turn from rejuvenating your mental health to fighting for your life. It may not always be in the form of a human that we meet our sticky end in the wilderness. The elements alone can cause death. Somewhere between 120 and 140 people typically die at national parks each year not counting suicides, according to the number maintained by the National Park Services. The number one cause of death in national parks? Drowning. We've talked about people disappearing from the woods and just vanishing, gone without a reason or a trace, and leaving police and investigators with nowhere to turn for answers. Long before the state of Vermont had a police agency, several teens went missing in the same area. One of those teens was a college sophomore, Paula Weldon. Paula disappeared without a trace in 1946 and were left all these years later wondering what happened to her. This is her story, the story of Paula Weldon. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Allison, today we're going to be talking about a girl named Paula Weldon. I just keep thinking Paula Abdul. When I hear Paula. <laughs> Every time I hear her name, I don't think of um, like what she was originally famous for. I always think of America's Next Top Model. Wait, she was on Wasn't that? Wasn't she like a judge on that show or something? I thought she was American Was Idol. she a judge on that show? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're correct. I'm wrong. Okay. There we go. Okay. Glad we got That's that. that glad we had that figured out. Right. <laughs> yeah. But this Paula was an American college student who literally just disappeared from a walking trail on Vermont's long trail hiking route. And when I say disappeared, she literally just like vanished. Poof. Man, you know, okay. Yeah. So you said it in the beginning. We've said it before. I don't exercise, first of all, and I enjoy the outdoors, but I don't like roughing it. So this Vermont's long trail mm-hmm. hiking route, I'd be like, give me the like hop, skip and a jump route, not the long trail. Yeah. Can I have the Vermont's short trail hiking route? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She actually was... um 
pretty outdoorsy. She was the oldest of four daughters to a very well-known engineer, architect, and designer named William and his wife, Jean. So, Polly graduated high school in 1945. She went on to attend Bennington College in North Bennington, Vermont. And this is like... Oh, that's pretty good college in the 40s. Well, I hadn't really heard a lot about this college. I didn't know. Uh I wasn't familiar with it. So, I looked it up. And it seems to have sort of a non-traditional route of education, if that makes sense. What do you mean by that? Well, all their students have now, I mean, I don't know about them, but now they have like a map that they follow, which I guess would be sort of like a course catalog type thing, but Uh it almost seems like a living document for them. They can change it and they're really encouraged to be creative and question things they have to do. I may be wrong if it's yearly but i know they do at least like one internship and i'm wanting to think it is yearly like every summer all of their students are required to do an internship somewhere around the world that has to do with their major i think that's really good i do too it seems one you need that experience for your applications when you apply for jobs and i think it really gives you that real world experience like do i really want to do this job for the rest of my life right exactly Before you waste and get, you know, $80,000 of student loans. Yeah. Hashtag (laughs) real life problems. (laughs) Hashtag us. (laughs) Yeah. From what I read, this college, I don't think has a huge student population like, you know, major universities would, but it has a very large campus. What they call central campus is composed of just about 10 acres But the college owns like 440 acres of land. Gosh, that's a ton. Yeah, and 300 of that is wooded. This college campus is known for its expensive beauty, its distinctive architecture. It has a rich history, and it is at the foothills of Green Mountains. And I actually read that... This college had been voted one of the most beautiful in the country by the Princeton Review. It had been mentioned in Architectural Digest. So it's a really beautiful campus. And the dorm that Paula lived in, her sophomore year, Dewey House, was one of the older dorms then, but it's still on campus now. So it was named after even older, obviously, now. But Dewey Decimal System. What was his name? I don't know. John Dewey? Anthony had a cat named Dewey. Aw, we'll say it's named after Anthony's yes. cat then. Um, according to the Charlie Project, Paula was a skilled artist. She specialized in oil and watercolor paintings, but she was also very talented at charcoal and pencil sketching. So good for you, oh, Paula. Yeah. She was not only artistically talented, she was also musically talented. She was an excellent guitar player. So she's just, she's good with her hands. Yeah, and... She was also pretty physically active. She was an experienced hiker and camper. So I feel that she very much fit the mold of what I pictured a student at Bennington College would be. Mm -hmm. Since they fostered all these creative and innovative learners. I feel like Paula really did a good job picking the college that was right for her. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, December 1st, 1946, and I just want to say... So I always, for me, when we're telling these stories, I always think it's easier if I can say, like, this happened on Sunday, on Tuesday, this happened. Oh, yeah. If I can have a day of a week instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, December Mm -hmm. 1st. Yeah. Right. So I'm Googling when (laughs) December 1st was because, you know, in... 1946 because i didn't know and it did not say sunday and then like in some of my research later on i found where it said sunday december 1st and i was like well one of these is wrong and so i spent like 30 minutes of my life trying to figure it out and it was me i put 1945 instead of 1946 (gasps) (laughs) i was like well that's 30 minutes of my life i'm never getting back 
But it was Sunday. <laughs> it was Sunday, December the 1st, 1946. Paula was working at her part-time job in the dining hall on campus known as the Commons. And she had decided that that day was the day that she was going to find and walk a portion of the long trail that I mentioned earlier. Because it was relatively close to campus. Good for you, Paula. I'm out. Yeah. You go, girlfriend. No, thank you. Throughout the day, as she's working, though, her friends are popping in and out of the dining hall. And she tried to talk others into going with her. Like, hey, I'm going on this hike. I think you would really like it. Do you want to come with me? But sadly, all of her friends had already made plans for that afternoon. And so she's kind of like, well, I don't need you anyways. I'm just going to go on my own. Because... She had kind of done that thing before. She knew how to hike and she knew she could do it by herself. So she's just kind of like, well, you're not going to rain on my parade. I'm still going. Okay. Number one, I don't understand. Number two, I would have also already had plans. (laughs) If I was like, hey, Allison, I'm going to go hiking today. Do you want to go? You'd be like, uh. Sorry, Maggie. Maggie and I have plans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, we've had these for a while now. (laughs) But after she got off work, she walked through campus um, and heads back to her dorm to change into her hiking clothes. So something that at first when I was topping up everything, I didn't really think about or make the connection that she's going hiking in December in New England, which I think is kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. Right, because it's going to be really cold. I mean, it's not technically winter yet, because that's not until like December 21st or whatever. Which I never understood, but you're right. But it's still cold. But this doesn't stop her. She just would dress appropriately for the weather i guess and i actually read that earlier in the day like around the time she was probably getting off work it wasn't actually too cold it was upper 40s so you know kind of warm for december so not too bad Mm -hmm. but i read that she left wearing adequate clothes for the weather as it was when she left but not for the anticipated drop in temperature that was supposed to come that night because i'm sure she assumed she would be back before any of that happened. Do we know how long this hike is? Like how long it would take you to do the long trail? Well, I think it was one of those things that was sort of like this trail led into another one that led into another one that oh. led into another one. So you could do a so portion. So you could keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that was what her plan was, is to just do a portion of this bigger trail. Mm-hmm. We know she left her dorm around 2.45. She was dressed in a red coat that had a fur trim around the like hood and in her hiking jeans. But she did have on tennis shoes. So she obviously didn't plan on doing any rigorous hiking. No rock climbing for her. She didn't pack a bag with her. Yeah, no rock climbing. She didn't pack any type of extra shoes. She didn't pack a bag. She took no extra clothing, no significant amount of money. So she, in my opinion, only intended to be gone for a few hours. Mm-hmm. I read that she walked to the campus driveway, and I'm assuming that that's like the entrance of the college. That's what I And would from think. there, she hitched a ride to State Route 67A, which was close to state route nine which i think is kind of where she needed to be because i'm not directionally inclined but that's what i got from i'm not either but i will take your word for it (laughs) yeah don't tell me to go east or west because i don't know what Mm -hmm. that is just tell me if i go towards walmart or if i go towards burger (laughs) exactly (laughs) which way am i going (laughs) we know that she hitched a ride from this man named Lewis Knapp, and he drove her just about two and a half miles from the long trail because Route 9 was along his way home. So he just picks her up and drops her about two and a half miles from where she's supposed to be. 
Do we, how do we know that he dropped her off? Like, is he a trustworthy guy? So that was my first question, too, as I was reading my research, because I'm like, well, this could potentially be the last guy to see her alive if she's missing. And we know we that trust a lot of the time, no one. hitchhikers, yeah, hitchhiker people that, whatever they're called, the people that pick up hitchhikers aren't always the most trustworthy. What do you call people who pick them up? Hitchhiker helpers? I don't know. Let's Google it. A rod is what oh. this says that was not at all as cool as what i wanted it to be no it was not but we'll go well, with it this this hitchhiker helper <laughs> he actually does deliver her where he tells investigators later on because we know that she made it to at least the beginning of this trail because she meets a group of fellow hitchhikers and she stops and talks to them as they're walking down the trail and she's starting up the trail. Okay. Okay. So we at least know, and he dropped her off before the trail. So we know that she somehow made Mm -hmm. it to the trail. Yeah, and we don't know if she maybe hitched another ride those last two and a half miles or if she just walked that far. But we do know that she at least makes it to the trailhead because she talks with another group of people. She kind of stopped um, them and asked them, you know, how long did you hike? How many miles was it? Was it treacherous? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They spoke for several minutes before parting ways with Paula um, as she walks in a northerly direction along part of the trail known as Harbor Road. A guy named Ernie was one of the hikers in this group, and he distinctly remembers and would later retell investigators that he actually advised Paula against hiking very far along the trail, telling her she wasn't dressed well enough for the hike, citing her tennis shoes, and the nighttime temperatures that were getting ready to come on because the sun was actually quickly setting. Because again, Mm. it's November or December, and it's probably closer to four by the time she gets there, and the sun goes down early in the wintertime, so it is probably getting close to being dark at this point. That's true. Thanks, Ernie, for looking out. He's at least trying to help her. Yeah, but she doesn't listen. Oh, okay. She's just kind of like, thanks for the advice, but I think I got it. And she just heads into the trail. But we have no more confirmed sightings of her along that stretch of trail. The sun set about one hour after Ernie spoke with Paula, and I read that within hours, it actually began snowing, and the accumulation was reported to be around three inches. Oh, no, and she's just wearing tennis shoes, which means those socks are getting wet. That is not a good yeah, combo. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than cold feet. Yep. Mm-mm. Hence why we don't hike. Yeah, exactly. As the hours ticked by back in Dewey House, Paula's roommate was sure, you know, Paula was already back from her trip and was probably just studying in the library because she tended to do that a lot. Go out, be in nature for a little bit, kind of clear her mind, come back and study in the library for whatever upcoming tests that she may have had. Mm -hmm. But the next morning, Paula still wasn't back. And so people, her roommate now is even more worried, you know, where the heck is she? She definitely should have returned from studying. She wouldn't have stayed, you know, all night there. But I read, Allison, that not a whole lot happened. So the roommate tells school administrators and they're kind of like okay well we're not really gonna freak out too bad they Uh go and check i read um on the morbid library's coverage of paula that apparently this college required students to sign out if they were planning to leave campus and return after 11 p.m so they're like okay maybe she signed this and she's just was gone late and should be back you know in time for class But she didn't sign out on that list, and she didn't sign back in when she returned. Oh, so that shows she did plan on being back pretty early. Right. 
When she didn't show up for her scheduled classes that Monday, the university finally called her parents and they call saying, you know, hey, we just wanted to double check. Um, did Paula have plans on coming home? Has she talked to you guys? Did she just randomly, you know, show up? But Paula's parents are shocked when they get that phone call because she hadn't returned home. They hadn't spoke to her about her coming home. They actually hadn't talked in a couple days. So she was then reported missing after her parents confirmed they didn't know anything about her whereabouts. Oh, no. So by this point, I mean, she left early afternoon on Sunday, and now at least 24 hours have passed. Yeah, and we know that those 24 hours are usually the most important. Right. And I think Paula's case could have maybe been different if time hadn't been wasted because maybe there would have been footprints in the snow or something mm. that they could have followed but i didn't read where they were able to find anything like that wow but i mean i guess with it coming down so quickly maybe they would have been covered up quickly too that's true and if it's getting like upper 40s during the day it's not going to last long anyways mm-hmm they actually searched for weeks for Paula. The college closed for several days, and both students and faculty participated in organized searches. And I think in all of the cases that we've covered involving college kids, I think that's a first for us. Yeah, but I think that's awesome. I do, too. I think it really shows a sense of family within the college for them mm -hmm. to do that. So because of that, they had hundreds of volunteers. Paula's family members were there. National Guard troops were called in. Firefighters were searching for Paula, but to no avail. I read they did ground searches. They even did air searches, concentrated on the long trail. But, and they even expanded that to other branches of this trail and along that Route 9. But they didn't find anything. Wow. You know what I'm curious about is, because obviously I'm thinking if they're doing the, now I get that she could have been, you know, a certain distance off of the trail and that's why they didn't find her. But being an experienced outdoors person, I would think that she would have followed the trail, which then leads me to think, okay, was she abducted by somebody? But then the only way she could probably be abducted by somebody is if there weren't very many people who were out on the trail at night. So I'm curious how many people would like go on the trail at night versus in the day. Mm -hmm. And then I also thought, let's just say she is hiking and it does start snowing. I wonder how quickly the snow fell because it could just be it fell really fast and the trail kind of disappeared and oh. she couldn't see very far in front of her and she just got lost that is abs i didn't even think about that but you're right because if it's coming down that fast and it's almost like almost blizzard like then yeah you could easily lose track of the trail well, hundreds of people searched this area for her, and when they were turning up empty-handed each time, they said, you know, something else has to be done. And so they decide, we need to collect a reward. I read in one place it was a $500 reward. I read in a couple other places that it was a $5,000 reward. So I'm going to say it was $5,000, and the other person just maybe made a typo. Mm -hmm. but they raised $5,000 toward the reward for anybody coming forward with information about Paula's disappearance. And Allison, $5,000 at that time, I googled, would be equivalent to about $80,000 today. Holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a so lot. They're serious about wanting answers. What's crazy to me is that at the time of Paula's disappearance, Vermont had no state police organization. I didn't know. What? I guess I'm just really naive or stupid. But I just thought that, you know, a state was made back in 18-whatever. And they had police. whatever And that was just a thing. Yeah. I would have thought so, too. 
but apparently it wasn't. We're wrong. And so the state attorney and the county sheriff and a state investigator were who were leading this investigation. So at this point, there's no state police in Vermont, so there's no state police help. It's just the sheriff, the state attorney, and the state investigator. That would make me worry that it's going to be disorganized. Yeah, and the search for Paula does get a lot of flack for how the search was handled. I do think they were a little overwhelmed, but Paula's father actually pressed the governor to bring in additional professional law enforcement help. He's like, you have to get some more people in here. Can you talk to the Connecticut State Police? Can you talk to anybody around us? Can they send in more help? Mm-hmm. And the governor actually does. And Connecticut State Police Detective Robert Ruddle and um, State Policewoman Dorothy Scovel were assigned to Paula's case. And they interviewed every person who saw Paula, thought they saw Paula, Every person who lived along the route that she took or could have just maybe possibly been in the vicinity of Long Trail on that December afternoon. So, so they were when busy. they bring in those professional, yeah, they're busy. <sighs> they're pulling their weight when they bring in those additional, yeah. that additional help. According to a missing persons post I found online, there were a number of tantalizing And strange leads that kept investigators looking despite their searches turning up empty-handed. Most of those searching assumed Paula had gotten lost in the woods. When no clues were found as to her whereabouts, though, other theories started to be considered. Allison and I find it hard to record together these days with everything going on in our lives. That's why we began looking for a recording platform that would allow us to record the same quality, crisp audio that we could have in person. Allison made it her mission to find the best platform for doing just that, and that's when she discovered Zencaster. Zencaster is what Maggie and I use each week to record our episodes, and it is extremely easy to use, even if you've never used a recording platform before. You don't even have to download a thing. Go to the website, Zencaster.com, create the session for which you can record audio, video, or both, and then I email Maggie the link. She clicks, and that's it. We're ready to hit the record button and start. Even when we have guests who aren't tech-savvy, all they have to do as well is click the link to join the recording. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcast production suite that gives you studio-quality audio and video without needing to have any technological background knowledge. Once you're finished recording, the magic of Zencaster continues, as everything you've just created is securely backed up on the cloud, so no more lost files, and you get a transcript generated from your recording while having quality material to work with in post-production. I honestly could not brag about Zencaster enough. If you're thinking about creating your own podcast, but worry because your co-host or someone you'd like to interview is in another city, worry no more. We want you to have the same easy experience as we do. If you go to zen.ai slash coffeeandcasespod0 and enter promo code coffeeandcasespod0, all one word, you'll get 30% off your first three months. Again, that's zen.ai slash coffeeandcasespod0. It's time to share and easily record your story. Despite the fact that searches for Paula had turned up zero clues as to her whereabouts, we do have sort of kind of some more potential sightings of her that might help us determine what happened to Paula. And before we get into those theories, I wanted to talk about some of these potential sightings. Okay. Are you saying potential because... It was somebody who looked like her because we can't verify that what people said happened actually happened. I think it's a little bit of both. And this may be redundant because I think I mentioned it later on. But I'm pretty positive investigators end up determining that there are two blonde girls in red coats that people are seeing mm. in and around this time. 
Okay. And one is Paula and one is a doppelganger. Gotcha. So we know for sure that Paula left her dorm room around 2.45 that afternoon. Shortly after that time, we have a gas station owner by the name of Danny Fager, which I think is a really cool name. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but I just do. Hmm. Telling investigators that he saw a blonde girl in a red coat with fur around the hood running up and down the side of a gravel pit near the college entrance. Okay, that's Why weird. Why there's a gravel pit there, I don't know. It's weird to me. Why they she's do running up and down? They do look into this gravel pit as maybe she was dumped there. I see, for me, I'm wondering if... Is she really running or is she kind of just pacing, maybe waiting for somebody to pick her up? Because we know Mm. she was picked up from the entrance of the college. But he reported that she ran up and down and then disappeared from view. So I'm wondering if she's maybe just pacing and she picks up, is picked up by Mr. Knapp. Mm -hmm. Because he recalls picking her up from the college entrance around three. So that to me makes sense. And this is right by the college entrance. Yeah. Right around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knapp reported to police that Paula maybe did seem a little off when she was with him. She was really quiet when he picked her up. She actually fell getting into the truck. And besides asking where she was headed and her telling him where she needed to go, The two didn't speak until he dropped her off along that Route 9, and she was just kind of like, thank you, and then left. Okay, yeah, that is, that is a little odd, especially falling and not, like, if I fell, I would, I'd be embarrassed and I'd start laughing at myself and I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm the biggest klutz, or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't, like, fall Mm -hmm. and then just get in and be like, I'm going to the long trail, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah just very like stoic and robotic yeah i just don't like awkward silence so i oh. would have to make conversation but maybe mm-hmm. she was just one of those people that were happy just sitting there quietly maybe i don't know i just think it's weird though yeah i talk too much though so so same <laughs> we have another person come forward named abe ruskin a local taxi driver, and he told investigators that he had taken a student to the bus station on Sunday afternoon, but he wasn't 100% sure that it was Paula. He said the two favored, but he couldn't definitively say it was Paula. We know that there were several buses she could have taken, so she could have went to burlington she could have went to albany there were a bunch of places she could have gone when investigators talked to the clerks at the station no one remembered anyone that fit her description buying a ticket but they did admit it had been a pretty busy day so she could have come through and they just not have noticed okay yeah because if there's a ton of people then they probably one girl probably isn't going to stand out And at least I guess this taxi driver isn't like, yes, 100% it was Paula. He just says, I guess it could have been. Yeah, and I almost think what he did is better than not saying anything at all. At least he said, hey, I could have possibly seen her. This may be something you want to check out. Because then, you know, in 70 years or 90 years or whatever, we're not saying Oh, we just found out that Paula was dropped off at the bus station by this taxi cab driver, mm-hmm. but he never came forward, and that could have made such a huge difference. Right. You know, at least we're able to follow through. Yeah. We have another possible sighting of Paula, this time a waitress at the Modern Restaurant on Pleasant Street, said that she served a girl matching Paula's description about 9.30 that night. She said the girl was with a young man of about 25, so I feel a pretty good Mm -hmm. age for Paula, right? Because she's early college, so it's not like 25 super old for her. Right. But the waitress says this guy was drunk and being abusive. Hmm. She didn't go into detail in what I read about how this dude 
was being abusive. I'm guessing probably just verbally abusive. Right. Because you're in public, but I don't know. But she did say when he went to the counter, the girl signaled for her to come over, for the waitress to come over. And the waitress quickly goes over and she says that the girl asks, how far is Bennington, Vermont? And then asked, well, where am I right now? What? Hmm. I know. So it almost makes me feel that even if this girl isn't Paula, I hope she received some type of help. Right, exactly. Because she clearly is confused. Mm-hmm. She told the waitress that she had to get to Bennington and that she had arrived in that area with $1,000 in her pocket but had nothing left on her. The waitress said the girl had not been drinking but seemed visibly confused and dazed. This is making me feel, though, like this waitress's sighting and the taxi driver's sighting were the same person, this Paula doppelganger, and that the taxi driver maybe had his Mm -hmm. times confused or the waitress did. Because if there's a girl both of them have seen who looks like Paula and both are either, well, the waitress said she's asking how far to Bennington, like that is her goal. Oh, you said Burlington for the taxi driver. In my head, I was thinking Bennington, and I thought, oh my gosh, maybe that's why she had to get to the to the bus station, because she needed to take it, you know, someplace else. Oh, back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But I do think you're true. I do think you're correct. I think... I don't know that both of these could have been her, so I'm wondering if maybe one of them was her and the other wasn't, or maybe they just both weren't. Right. I don't know. But by this point, Ernie has come forward to police. He's been talking as well, and he told reporter Pete Stevenson that he had talked to Paula around 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and he said that when he talked to Paula... That he told her she wasn't dressed to hike the trail and then pending weather and that she should turn around. But she was like, nope, I'm good. And they parted ways. And that's how we know that's the last confirmed sighting of her. I already know what you're going to say one of the theories is based on this. Suicide. Oh, yeah, 100% for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. According to Strange Outdoors, the authorities concluded, like we've been talking about, there must have been two girls in the area around Long Trail on Sunday, Paula and Paula Doppelganger, mm-hmm. who people have been confusing as Paula on and off throughout the right. conversations with police. Right. On Wednesday night, the college president issued a statement that authorities suspected foul play and that they believed Paula's body had been concealed. Three men who spent the last... I know. And he even said that three men who had camped that weekend had already been questioned, but obviously nothing came of those questionings. Hmm. And I read that the gravel pit that she was pacing in front of or running in front of was also searched because people believed maybe her body was hidden there, but nothing was found there either. We know that searches for her were extensive. Over 125 people came in to help with this search. Five aircraft were deployed. There were National Guard. Each search carried this i thought was very neat each searcher carried confetti to drop as they went to ensure the area was searched and nothing was searched twice that's brilliant i know that's what i thought too such a good idea yeah and if it's paper confetti it's just gonna biodegrade that's right it's biodegradable Mm -hmm. they searched all of these trails they looked All over Bald Mountain after one of the faculty members at the college found footprints on Wednesday afternoon that looked to have been made by her sneakers, but that also turned up empty-handed. As I mentioned, her father really wasn't satisfied with the search. 
he felt that he had done the best he could like Mm. but that police hadn't done the best that they could do and i feel okay that might be true but i feel like as a family member i would always feel that way because i would always know how thoroughly i would search something versus Mm -hmm. probably what they would and sometimes i think that searching the same area twice isn't always a bad thing that's true because i know from and this is probably a very poor example but let's say because i'm the world's most forgetful person that i am checking out at kroger and i cannot find my debit card in my wallet i can search through my wallet and my purse and still not find it because I'm in a frenzy. But as soon as Anthony looks in my wallet, he's like, oh, it's right here. You know? Right. Or, I mean, we've all tried this. You're trying to plug your phone cord into the square that goes into the plug. And you turn mm-hmm. it the USB part one way and it doesn't fit. You turn it the other way and it doesn't fit. You turn it back the first way and it fits. Like, sometimes right. looking at things or trying things twice, I get what you're saying. Yeah, ends up actually leading to answers. So, with all of that, we really are just left with one question. Well, two, I guess. Where is Paula and what the heck happened to her? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of theories about Paula and what could have happened to her and potentially where she could be. We're going to talk about five. Okay. And then kind of see where we think we are. All right. So as you guessed, theory number one is that Paula committed suicide. Mm-hmm. According to some accounts, Paula was... And I don't think that this is life-shattering. I think this is... Most college students experience this, but apparently it was life-altering enough to lead some people to this conclusion that she committed suicide. But Paula was considering changing her major from art to botany, but was really struggling with this decision. She was an art major. She had recently become dissatisfied with the faculty and the progress that she was making. And so she had discovered this newfound love of botany and was considering switching majors. Mm, Okay. I... I don't know if I buy that reason, because if she also loved botany, and I mean, why would she be that upset of switching it from one thing that she loves to another thing that she loves? That the reason I'm not buying, but if um, the guy who picked her up in his car mentioned that she was acting a little bit off and she wasn't really talking, if she left without really talking to her roommate if she knows again if she's experienced hiking and she's going out knowing that it's going to be dark soon so she would know that she's not dressed for the weather she gets a warning that she's not dressed for the weather that she just completely ignores i mean those things do seem like there are some depressive symptoms i just don't know if i buy the reason mm-hmm Well, the Morbid Library said that her friends had noted that she was acting and feeling somewhat depressed in the days and weeks prior to her disappearance, not necessarily related to the major change. Okay. You know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't believe that it was anything that she was severely depressed about. Again, I know that as people, we don't always tell the truth to our friends and family we put on a brave face Mm -hmm. for them so maybe they just didn't know the severity of her depression that could be it we also know that she did confirm plans that she had with her roommate for later on in the week and that's typically something that people who are going to commit suicide don't do is make kind of these long-term plans right but as you said i do think her 
expertise, supposedly, in this field makes me almost second guess kind of blowing off suicide so quickly because she would have known, like you said, that she wasn't prepared for the weather. Surely right. she would have. I don't know how you checked the weather in 1946 to know but, if it was supposed to snow later in the afternoon. Right. But I mean, you do know it's December. You do know it's already like decently cold. And if she did these walks mm -hmm. often, then she would probably know the temperature drop, like the average amount anyway. Right. So then maybe I guess that could also stem into theory too, like this okay. kind of weird behavior as far as, you know, knowing these things, but kind of ignoring them because theory two is that she ran away to start a new life. Oh, Okay. So there are many people who encountered Paula the day slash days leading to her disappearance that actually said she seemed to be in higher spirits than normal. So she had been, you know, kind of depressed and now all of a sudden she's in a really good mood and she's in this hmm. happy state. Okay. And a lot of people say that because this great mood that she was in, she must have been running away to start a new life that, you know, she had developed a plan and she was excited to carry this plan through. I don't know that we can, just like the changing of her major, I don't know that we can say just because she is elated that she's running away. Right. Yeah. Plus, if that's true, then you would think the taxi driver story is true, that he's dropping some girl off that looks like Paula to go someplace else. But I'm wondering where the taxi driver picked her up in relation to the trailhead. Because, again, I'm not a walker, but if my ultimate plan is to go to the bus station, I'm probably not going to walk, you know, two and a half miles in the opposite direction. And I guess my question, too is how if this is paula in the taxi how did she even hail a taxi cab right like, you know it's not yeah. like uber and she's pulling it up on her phone i feel like that's more of a city thing yeah if she's out in the middle of nowhere by a trail yeah I don't know, but some say that there were signs that Paula had a boyfriend slash secret lover, and she was planning to run away and elope with him. So this theory has been one that we've kind of talked about before, I think on a couple of other cases, but remember the Dorothy case that we had? Mm -hmm. Dorothy Forstein. Episode, yeah, like episode 122, mm -hmm. where she was... They had the really creepy recallings of what happened with her kids. And we were kind of like, oh, maybe she really did just run away with this dude. Right. Yeah. Because the girl was like, the mom was thrown over the shoulder. But we were like, oh, she could have staged all of that to go away. So maybe this was all staged. Yeah. There are some saying that maybe her family didn't approve of this guy, but she was deeply in love. And so they planned to kind of meet up and run away together. Mm. But if she was planning to run away, I think she would need some things. Wouldn't she need at least a little bit of money to get from point A to point B? Especially yes. if we're assuming she's the girl in the taxi. Yes. She would have to have a little bit of money. But her roommate said she took nothing with her. Hmm. Unless she was like hiding how much money she had. I don't know. That's true. Or, you know, she's saying, I'm going to hop in this taxi and then my boyfriend's picking up the tab when I meet him, wherever I'm meeting him. Yeah, that's true, too. I guess she maybe technically didn't need money. Theory three is one that most people believe to be the most compelling persons of interest that was discussed in Paula's disappearance. Okay. And that is a gentleman named Fred Gadet. Mm -hmm. Is how I'm going to assume his last name is pronounced. I would say so too. So he was actually a lumberjack, which I found fascinating. <laughs> but... He was a lumberjack. He lived in a cabin near 
this long trail where Paula had oh, vanished. Oh, okay. He actually, yes. And there are a couple different reasons why people associate him with Paula. One is that when he was first kind of brought to the attention of the investigators, it was because Fred and his girlfriend were in the middle of an argument the day that Paula went on her hike. And she just so happened to pass by where they were arguing. Because remember, her or his cabin is right along the trail that she was on. Okay. Fred admits to the investigators that he stormed off in this angry, jealous rage shortly after Paula walked by where they were at. His statements change, though, which to me makes him lose credibility and I feel like he's lying. Mm Mm-hmm. He said in one account that he went to, like, this shack slash... I guess, like, work building that he had. Mm Mm-hmm. And spent the evening there by himself, just, you know, blowing off steam, tinkering with stuff. But then another instance, he says, he drove his truck up the portion of the trail where Paula was heading. So he says, in one, I went to this shack, and I just kind of blew off some steam by myself. In another account of that day he said he had to get in the truck and just drive for a little bit to clear his mind and he would have been driving in the direction that paula was hiking did he ever say in any of his stories that he had seen paula or was he always saying he was by himself not that i read that he came straight out and said you know i passed this blonde headed girl on the road but he did lie about a lot of things. So in 1955, he went to authorities on his own with a really shocking statement. He confessed to authorities that he had information about the teen's disappearance and that he knew where her remains were buried. Uh, excuse me, sir. You have gone from saying that you were alone tinkering in your shack. Yeah. from Going from uh, I was alone driving to clear my mind or tinkering in my shack to um, I know what happened to her and I know where she's buried. Okay. But he later is like, I lied. I just really needed some attention. <gasps> that scoundrel. Yeah. But... There were a lot of people that, not a lot, there were at least two people who came forward to investigators and said that Fred had told them that he knew within a hundred feet where Paula was buried. Wow. So he's not just telling authorities, he's telling everybody. Yeah, so apparently he needs a lot of attention. Hmm. But he tells police officers that that was just idle talk. He was just, you know talking to be talking people don't just talk like that i know that's so weird to me Mm. that's such a weird thing to say and then even weirder to be like i was just i just just slapped my jaw i didn't mean anything by it Mm. theory four is paula's father oh i was not expecting this one i wasn't either until i read a couple different sources and then i think when you hear it you're going to be like mm, that's kind of weird hmm. but this theory was reported by the bennington banner and this suggests that paula's father was involved in her disappearance apparently in the week prior to paula's disappearance she did not come home for Thanksgiving. She decided to stay on campus instead. And according to grunge.com, this made her father really, really angry. Okay. The roommate also said that because of this disagreement, they weren't on the best of terms. Mm-hmm. And so there have been a couple other kind of disagreements in there mixed in with the Thanksgiving disagreement, but that something was happening with this father daughter relationship that kind of made the roommate say, 
this is a little bit much. This is a little oh, odd. Okay. Paula's father first drew suspicion from investigators when he just apparently vanished for 36 hours amid the search for his daughter. Just poof. Gone mm. for 36 hours. That is odd. The Bennington Banner reported that Paula's father disappeared immediately after hearing his daughter was possibly seen by that waitress. Mm. He didn't tell anybody that he was leaving. And he didn't tell anybody where he was going. He was just gone and then showed back up. Did he later say where, or have any, like, I guess description of what he'd been doing during that time not not that i read nope oh okay yeah hmm. nope and we know he was super critical of the investigation um he criticized law enforcement he believed that they did not investigate to their full ability he also criticized the state of vermont for not having its own police force so he was just really not happy with the investigation what stuck out to me, though, and I think you having a daughter, you'll agree, mm -hmm. but on December 16th, Paula's father just packed up all of her belongings from her dorm room and returned to his home in Connecticut. And I don't think that's a very long time. No. 15 days. Yeah. And then he's like, well, guess she's not coming back. Let me just pack up her stuff. Yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd be staying there. Yeah. I thought that was weird, too. So he just packs up all of her stuff, like, publicly bashes Vermont for its lack of a professional police force. He says that, you know, the search was horrible. They didn't keep accurate records. All kinds of stuff that was not overlooked by this army of reporters across New England who then descended... On this story that maybe Paula's dad kind of had a little bit more to do with her disappearance and was first let on. But when he leaves on December 16th, so does everybody else. So her case actually drew a lot of attention. Reporters came from everywhere to help cover her case. But then when he leaves, everybody else is kind of like, all right, peace out. I'm leaving too. Wow. And they all just kind of leave. All right. Theory five. Because it wouldn't be us if we didn't. Oh boy, that means it's going to be crazy. Yes, is the paranormal. Mm. There are many who think that something is wrong with this area. Something paranormally wrong. Oh. Yes. This theory first came about... When a New England author and occult researcher coined the term the Bennington Triangle. Wow. So, like the Bermuda Triangle, but in Vermont. And he described the area of southwestern Vermont as this Bennington Triangle because from 1945 to 1950, five people disappeared within this area including paula so she's one of those five mm. he links these disappearances to a special energy that inhabits the wilderness there and attracts visitors from outer space okay this just got a little weird yeah, who he believes snatched up paula and the subsequent missing people so, I mean, in essence, Paula was abducted by aliens. I mean, or there could be a serial killer who just focuses on this area of the woods. You know, that makes a lot more sense and honestly was not something that I thought about until you said it. And I'm like, oh, that also makes perfect sense. <laughs> Probably a little bit more so than the aliens. <laughs> so, so, Allison, I don't know that I have a theory that I you know, can say 100% that I think it's this theory. Mm -hmm. Do you have a theory that you're going to stand behind? I think I'm going to, if I had to go with one, 
I'm thinking one of two things. If it were accidental, like not caused by another person. So if it, if, if she is alone has, leading to her own disappearance and death, I think that she may have gone out into this woods. Um, she does seem to be depressed in terms of a lot of the descriptions that you gave, which is why I said, I know what one of the theories is going to be because of all those descriptions, especially the warning that she's not dressed appropriately for the weather. But I also think that it could be the case that she went up there and then it began to snow, like you said, and she can't find the trail back. And so she ended up, you know, getting lost and then dying unintentionally like she would have come back but she Mm. can't but if it's a person who caused it then I'm kind of leaning toward the lumberjack just because of the other false confessions um the changing story he would know the area because he has a cabin there and the bragging about it I just don't think that that's a normal reaction from someone As the years tick by, it's highly unlikely that we will ever know what happened to Paula, but this case has left me with so many questions, like what is this Bennington Triangle, and do the other cases involving this area have similarities? Could there be more to these disappearances than meet the eye? As you pointed out, Allison, I wonder if there's just some type of connection that hasn't been made here. Perhaps. We will explore another one of these cases in a few weeks right here on Coffee and Cases. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. week. Okay, Sleuth Hounds, it is that time. It is 7-7, and we are getting ready to spin the wheel right now and get seven lucky Sleuth Hounds to receive all exclusive, these limited edition (laughs) keychains. So here we go. And cards. Oh, yeah. Keychains and cards. cards. You should see Maggie. I'm FaceTiming her so she can see the wheel that I created, and... She's doing like hand motions and like arm motions. She's excited. Yeah. She's excited. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready for me to spin for the first winner? Let's do it. Fun fact this is the app that I use on my computer when my children don't volunteer to read. I spin this. Me too. <laughs> Woo! Jennifer S. Lucky winner number one. Yay, Jennifer S. We will be reaching out to you. All right, I'm going to spin for winner number two. Yay! It's my friend Jackie from back home. So I get to send her a card and a keychain. That's super exciting. Okay. Number three. Which is my favorite number, so let's go. (laughs) Oh, yay! We love her! It's Trisha! Yay, Trisha! Super exciting. This is fun. Yeah. This makes me wish I were up for a prize, even though I already have a keychain. <laughs> okay, number four. Oh, the anticipation. I know, it's so good. Kelly L. Yay, Kelly L. Kelly, we're not saying last names, but your last name is good, though. I know. It's impressive. It's pretty cool. Okay, how many is that? Is that four? We're on yeah. number five? Okay. Oh, Marcy. 
Yay. Number five. Marcy, number five. Okay. Number six is Katie. Yay, Katie. All right. We got one more. Is it going to be you? Hopefully, you've joined Patreon already. Okay, lucky number seven is Julie. Yay, Julie. Now, listen, if you did not win on this Patreon giveaway, make sure you still join up on our Patreon because we might just have some holographic stickers ordered. Oh. Hint, hint. That might be coming in the mail the next time we have a giveaway. So... Still make sure you sign up because you'll get all kinds of good content and you just might get a little swag. Yay! So while we are sharing the love, we got another five-star written review. It was a really cute one, too. It was good. So this one came from one of Allison's former students, but this person said, I'm a crumb junkie through and through, and I love listening to you all. Whenever I get the chance, I put on an episode. Mrs. Williams, you were one of my favorite teachers, and Mrs. Dameron, I know you would have been a favorite of mine too. Please never stop doing this podcast, LOL. Well, we will not ever stop doing this podcast. No, we will not. And that just makes me so happy. And I wish I knew who this student was. But they just signed it with the class that they took with me. Yeah, they get messages on social media and let us know who they were. Maybe we'll send them a sticker. I know. Yeah. I just, that just makes me happy. Makes my heart glad. Do you want to start your own podcast but don't know where to start? Give Zencaster a try. Recording is as easy as clicking new and sharing a link with co-hosts or guests. Plus, you'll get crisp, clear audio every single time. Simply go to zen.ai forward slash coffee and cases pod zero, all one word, and enter promo code coffee and cases pod zero for 30% off your first three months. It's the only platform Maggie and I trust for recording remotely, and we know you'll love it as much as we do.